You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you can join us. Welcome. We're here today with Dr. Sally Halim, who has a 1OD practice in Woolwich, New Jersey. Uh, we're going to talk today about the come back from COVID, how the pandemic affected practices around the country, and particularly how hard it is to, to come back and, and the things that she did to, to do so after being closed for essentially uh, two months to, to, to routine care. Welcome, Dr. Halim. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's nice to join you again. You were closed for um, nearly two months. Yes, uh, right around March 20th. Um, we were told that we could only do emergency care. Uh, and that went all the way through till just around um, Memorial Day. So it was very challenging. You know, we went into the office a handful of days here and there, tried to see maybe two or three patients at a time that were just emergencies. And it was very challenging. You know, it was a really tough time. Right. So when the when you were able to start seeing um, more routine care, that's not necessarily easy either because that's, um, I mean, there's, there's patients who were canceled. There were patients who are eager to come back or patients who were not eager to come back. I mean, I'm sure you had the, the, the gamut. Yeah. We had some patients who were obviously overdue for exams and they were, you know, trying to get in. Uh, and then we had some patients who did not want to come out. They were extremely nervous, understandably, at that point, vaccines were not a regular thing. Uh, we have uh, a large senior community that backs up to our practice. And a lot of those patients were especially nervous, which again, is very understandable. And we kind of didn't know exactly how things were going to be the quote unquote new normal. You know, we were trying to do everything the CDC recommended as far as wearing masks and sanitizing and cleaning the office in between patients, but we were learning as we went as well. So it was a little challenging for everybody. Right. Do, do you know what the new normal looks like now? I think so. I think so. Um, <laughs> it seems like we have a, you know, a nice kind of flow to how we can get patients in and out safely. Um, and I think honestly, some of these measures might stay with us. I, I don't mm -hmm. see masks going away um, for myself and maybe the opticians since we're so close with the patients. I think a lot of the shields that we have on some of the equipment will probably be with us for the long haul. And I, I don't really see why that's a problem. You know, we are interacting very closely with patients and mm -hmm. if it helps kind of keep everyone safe, even past COVID, I think those measures are probably pretty good to keep in place. Right. Right. So the new normal isn't necessarily the 2019 normal. No, no. Um, you know, we are allowing a family member to come back into the exam room with a patient now, whereas before we were really strict with that. Um, we're trying to just keep the flow going as, as best we can. Um, we're still sanitizing frames and, you know, sanitizing pens and sanitizing surfaces, which might be a little bit overkill at this point, but it, it does make our staff feel more comfortable and it certainly makes the patients feel more comfortable. So you know, if it does continue, then I think it's it's all for the best. What made you feel comfortable coming back into the office? I think taking all of those measures for sure. I felt much better knowing that, you know, we were screening patients when they scheduled and 
you know, making sure that the people who were coming in were healthy and patients were very good about rescheduling, even if they had a tickle, which was great. I mean, that really did make the staff feel better, made me feel better. It was a given every winter that someone on the staff would get a pretty bad cold. And believe it or not, this year, we've all been very healthy. So I think these things are working. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's, and when I got vaccinated, that really gave me a big sense of relief. I was fortunate. I was able to get a vaccine in December. So, you know, that was the big thing there was just not bringing COVID home to my family. My children are young. They're too young to get vaccinated. My husband was working from home. So I was essentially the only person leaving the house and interacting with the public. And, you know, we figured if anyone were to bring it home, it would have been me. So, you know, having the vaccine was a huge sense of relief, um, you know, but just kind of being as cautious as possible, even outside of work. We were, my husband and I were very um, strict with ourselves. We just tried to keep our, our bubble as small as possible because we knew that I was working. And it, it seems like those, you know, really, uh, cautious measures paid off. So on a completely diversionary note, the another time uh, you and I have talked about training and mm -hmm. the, 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 the training that you do for your, for your marathons, did that get knocked completely off track during COVID? Unfortunately, yes. Everything was pretty much canceled last year. Um, I think it were 20, 2019, you know, pretty much everything was, normal. And then when 2020 hit, we lost everything. I started to kind of get back into it. I believe the first race I did was in early 2021. I did a, an outside trail run in February. So they were able to really limit the number of people and we didn't really interact with each other too much. Mm -hmm. um, there have been some races this summer, but it seems like some things are getting canceled again this fall. So we'll see. We'll see right. how they go. Now, what about your training? Did you did you keep that up? I mean, can you can you run isolated? Yes, yes. Um, outside things I kept up with, which was you know kind of a nice relief from COVID. It was nice to turn your brain off and go out and just go for a run or you know take a bike ride. Uh, swimming was a little challenging. The pool was closed, so I couldn't really get swimming done. But, you know, we, we were creative. We put a home gym downstairs with some swim cords to simulate swimming. Um, and we did what we could. So what about your, your staff? Because, of course, that's, that's been a real challenge for a lot of ODs is, is um, getting back to full staffing or, um, you know, trying to decide what full staffing looks like. Is, is that pre-pandemic level again or...? We did actually bring on uh, a new staffer because we did have COVID didn't necessarily hit us as far as staffers not wanting to return. We were very, very fortunate with that. We had mm -hmm. other issues, though. We had, um, unfortunately, one of our staffers had some family things going on, so she could not return to work immediately. She is now back in the office, but it was right in the height of COVID. So that was, you know, a little tricky with the timing. Um we had a 10-year staffer retire. Uh, she became a grandmother and wanted to stay home and take care of her little grandbaby. So, you know, we had some shuffling there. Uh, we have a, a flex staffer who is part-time, but she can kind of add some hours. And she's really kind of stepped up um, 
you know, her role in the office. So we've had a little bit of, you know, shift, but, but we did have to bring on a new staffer and we, we were very fortunate that we found someone who's capable. Um, but for the most part, the meat and potatoes of the staff have all come back and everyone is, you know, firing on all cylinders. And, and I think in a lot of ways, everyone was happy to be back, you know, just having that time off and, and some of us had to homeschool our children. That was a challenge, of course. So, you know, coming back to work was a nice change of pace there. Uh, but thankfully, it, it wasn't a huge hit for us. But I know it's been a real struggle for many, many of my colleagues. And I've spoken with a lot of them. It's very challenging. It's really tough to find good staffers and, you know, staffers who, you know, want to come in and feel comfortable coming in and, and really want to just kind of get back to work. So thankfully, that hasn't been a huge issue for us, but I know it is is definitely a problem. I'm sure reassurance is is a big part of having these protocols too. Yes, definitely. I, I think before we even opened back up for routine care, we had uh, kind of one of these Zoom meetings with everyone and laid out a very specific plan so everyone knew exactly what we were doing and how we wanted to come back safely and the measures that we were going to take and, you know, how we were going to keep the staff safe, how we were going to keep the patients safe. And we had a very detailed outlined plan that everyone kind of could reference if there was ever any, you know, confusion. And we have staff meetings once a month and we go over any kind of issues that might arise. And, you know, is this working? Is this not working? In the beginning, we had a very, very light schedule because it just took us time to sanitize in between each patient mm -hmm. and, you know, ensure that we only had one patient in at a time for their safety and ours. And then as things started to kind of ease up a little bit and, and more and more people became comfortable coming in and, you know, we could maybe book a little bit more and, you know, put one patient in an exam room, work up another and still not have them interact, but at least we could add a couple more patients to the schedule than we did in the very beginning when we were very kind of, you know, skeleton staff situation with, with patients and everything. Um, but we eased into it. So I think that helped too for the patients and for us, you know, we needed to figure out a, a way to do it where it worked and we didn't have a bottleneck operation and they felt safe and we felt safe. How is the mask, no mask challenge going with patients these days? They seem for the most part to be very okay with it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we, we do have some patients who are a little irritated that they have to wear a mask again, especially because they're most of our patients at this point are vaccinated. So, and understandably, you know, it is frustrating if, if you're vaccinated that you have to go back to the same things that we had to do before being vaccinated. Um, but for the most part, we don't really get too much pushback. Um, patients are aware that it's a medical facility and pretty much every doctor that they visit, they have to wear masks. So they don't necessarily give us trouble with it. Did, did you add any um, equipment, any changes to, to sort of the patient flow process? Uh, not just the, the, the volume controls, but, but the way that patients are, are seen or diagnosed or anything like that? We did. Uh, we, we completely pared down our reception area. We have maybe one or two chairs in the reception area now. Um, and we still encourage patients to only come to their visits alone, just to avoid any kind of um, overflow of patients. 
Um, we have shields in front of the Phoropter. We have shields in front of the slit lamp. Um, you know, we have a, a big dispenser of hand sanitizer. The minute you walk in the door, you know, you mm-hmm. kind of have to walk around it. Opticians have a face shield on their pupilometer, okay. um, which is kind of nice. Um, you know, ev- obviously everyone's wearing a mask. We're taking temperatures on patients. We're even checking our own temperatures when we come into the office every day, just to make sure. Um, we have every type of hand sanitizer you can imagine, and it's all over the office. So, you know, but we did a lot of these things even pre-COVID. We were very good about wiping down the the exam room equipment in between patients in front of the patient. So they Mm. saw that. Um, But now we're sanitizing pens. We're sanitizing the the, uh, reception desk surface. We're sanitizing the keypad on the credit card machine. I mean, eventually we're going to move to, you know, touchless payments. I think that's coming next month. Um, so, you know, a lot of these things were already in place, but it's more just managing the number of people in the office at once. I think that's been a big one for us. Did you use the time to sort of dream up new visions for the practice? Um, we did some some changes. I mean, nothing too crazy. Unfortunately, we had to raise fees minimally. Um, I think we added just a small surcharge on all of the frames, maybe $5 or something like that. Um, that seemed to kind of help a little bit, but we figured out a way to schedule a little bit more, just to make more sense of the schedule. You know, if we had, um, let's say a young patient and their parent, and they were both coming in for a checkup, we put them in one time slot rather than giving them two. Um, they were coming in at the same time anyway. It really didn't make sense to have two appointment slots and we see patients every half hour. So you know, if, if that's an entire hour that we would eat up the schedule, now we're doing it in, in a half hour, which works out fine because it takes much less time to work up a younger patient versus their parent. So a lot of times, you know, we might even split them up and have a tech working up the parent and then I'll start with the child and we can kind of flip flop. So that has seemed to really kind of make the flow a little bit better. Um, you know, just figuring out ways to, with certain patients, we know, for example, if we have uh, a patient that needs to come in with assistance, we'll try to put them in first thing in the morning rather than, you know, have them be the last patient of the day or even have them right before lunch because we know after them we have an hour break. So if it takes a little longer to get that patient worked up, you know, we're not really hindering the flow of the schedule. So those sorts of changes, just being smarter with how we plan the schedule. And was that something you decided or was that something that you all talked about? How how do you kind of brainstorm where the gaps are in efficiencies? Yeah, I, I kind of came up with the idea and presented it to the staff and said, let's give this a try. And if it's not working, we can you know, modify it. And then at the next office meeting, we, we found that some things were working and some weren't. So mm-hmm. You know, we had to shuffle things around. Um, but I just saw that there were ways to make the the, the schedule flow a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it, we're at the point now where things are busy. I mean, the office is busy and we are really firing on all cylinders. And I don't necessarily think the patients are aware of how busy we are because we've made the flow work. Right. So thankfully, they're not waiting too long. But you know, we can easily be seeing 20 patients a day. And for a one 
doctor practice, that that can be a pretty hectic schedule. It's great that you're you're back up to to the patient volume, and um, it sounds like you you created some efficiencies in the system too. It did teach us that. Yeah, COVID mm-hmm. really did teach us that. And we did have when we came back, we were coming back, you know. May, June, July, not necessarily the busiest time of the year, but we had the backlog from March and April. So that kind of filled those slower months. And September is typically our slowest month. Um, And we still had a little bit of that overflow going into September. And then the end of the year tends to pick up. So we, you know, it it kind of worked out. It Mm -hmm. really wasn't, you know, too, but we did see a little bit of a dip in I guess it was May of this year. Right. You weren't pre-appointing patients. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it, it did kind of level out and catch up with us. <laughs> yeah. So what are you going to do to avoid that next May? So one thing that we did do that helped a little bit, we looked back um, on patients that were in the office two years ago. And a lot of patients think coming in every two years for an eye exam is the norm. So you know, we literally cold called people and said, hey, it's been two years, you know, you probably missed because of COVID. Why don't you schedule your next exam? And we did get a handful of patients who Mm. did come in. Um, And thankfully, our software system too does send out texts and emails on the anniversary date of their exam. So we got a lot of patients calling from that. We did up the advertising that we do a little bit. We really upped our social media presence. That seemed to, you know, kind of draw patients in. So, you know, we try to just remind patients that we're still here, you know, you can come in for an exam and, you know, we all have put our health on hold for almost two years now. So let's get back to prioritizing things like your vision, your teeth, your, you know, blood work, your general physical, these things all need to be taken care of. So, right, right. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good reminder. And, and that seems to, to sort of fit into your overall vision for the practice too, the mission for the practice to, to talk about eye health and overall health and treat yeah, the whole patient. Yeah, definitely. We really have been promoting this shipping contacts out to patients. Mm-hmm. One, it saves a ton of staff time. Um, it just really cuts back on the whole process and patients like just getting something delivered to their home. You know, they, that's the appeal of buying contacts online. It's a passive you know, purchase. Right. So that has been, you know, when we tell patients, oh yeah, we'll order your contacts and ship them right to you. We don't necessarily even present the other option of the contacts coming to the office and then picking them up. They seem to really like that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's been, and it's been a huge time saver for the staff and it's a a money saver for us. You know, we, we get a better price from the distributor if we just ship the patients directly. Right. And ship their contacts directly to them. So that's been a nice kind of change since COVID. We dabbled in it a little bit before the pandemic, but now it's the only way we do contacts. And it's been it's been a good change for everybody. Saves a lot of space. <laughs> you know, we don't have boxes and boxes of contacts just sitting in the lab waiting to be picked up. And right. Right. So that's been a nice change that we've done too. And all those phone calls that your staff don't have to make you know, to exactly. patients. Uh-huh. And right. when the boxes come in, they have to verify them with the invoice. And it just, you know, it's it's a big time waste. So this right. has really helped quite a bit. And of course, if your goal is to 
still kind of control the numbers of people walking through the practice. That's exactly. you really don't want to have to have people come back in for, for such a quick transaction. Exactly. And then we get the money up front. You know, mm -hmm. it's not like they put a deposit and then they pay when they pick mm -hmm. up this way. Okay, we'll take the full payment and you'll get your contacts. And, and that transition is completed. Yeah, right. transactions completed. You know, it's not half done. So, Dr. Halim, thank you so much for sharing your, your story. And uh, we wish you a, a great rest of 2021 and, and a, a far better 2022. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again on WO Voices. If you'd like to be a guest on the series, please send us an email at wovoicesonline at gmail.com, through our website at womeninoptometry.com, through Facebook at WO Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.